0: Howdy, folks. This is good old JR Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report, and I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. The Ross Report is sponsored in part this week by DDP Yoga. Folks, if you've heard the podcast before, you know that I love to talk about my friend Diamond Dallas Page, DDP Yoga. It's helped so many people from all walks of life, And it can work for you as well. If you haven't, head over to ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross to check it out. Simple as that. No obligations. No costs. ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross. That's it. ddpyoga, no actors in this deal, folks. No models. Just real people. With real transformations. For example. Check out Jared Molenkoff Who DDP met. On the streets of Utah. Jared had already lost. 190 pounds. In eight months. Doing DDP yoga. And then. Fast forward nine months later. And Jared's lost. He's lost a total. Of 300 and 13 pounds damn ddp yoga can work for all ages weight and fitness level it provides a kick-ass cardio workout with minimal joint impact and that is so key so don't wait go to ddpyoga.com forward slash jim ross and check out the sale it's going on right now for listeners of the ross report that's right old dallas has got a special sale customized for you guys, my audience. There's also the DDP Yoga Now app uh, for working out on the go, available on on Apple and Android devices. But the bottom line, again, is real simple. Go to ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross and be on your way to not only changing your life, but to own your life. He's considered
1: the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every
2: major wrestling match in human history, (laughs) brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice! Welcome to the Ross Report.
0: Yes, indeed. Slobberknocker Audio is on the air. I thank you very much for downloading the Ross Report. I know you did it for free, at Apple Podcast, and we thank you for that. Interesting show today. Two outstanding guests from uh, divergent backgrounds within the genre of wrestling. As we'll talk to the creator, head man at prowrestling.net, Jason Powell. I want to talk to Jason about the Bound for Glory event. On uh, that, I watched. I think he watched it too. As a matter of fact, uh, on the Fight app, F I T E app. On Sunday night, we'll talk about that with Jason Powell in just a moment or two. And then I'm going to hook up with Terry Allen, better known to wrestling fans around the world as Magnum T.A. Always got interesting observations. And uh, I'm going to ask him about his Tully Blanchard feud and Tessa Blanchard, his uh, stepdaughter's uh, career. And I always wonder too, did, did Magnum back in his heyday, when it was really hot, did he ever have a conversation with Vince McMahon about leaving the NWA and going to the WWE. Thanks for your questions, by the way. And uh, we'll get to all that right here on the Ross report. But first, ladies and gentlemen, here's what's on my mind. It's time!
1: It's time! What's on JR's mind?
0: Man, what a big week for the wrestling business, especially for me because to my... Longest standing and and best friends within the business still to this day. Ric Flair and Ted DiBiase have major video releases this week. As you all know, the 30 for 30 on ESPN, directed by the brilliant Rory Karp, uh, is uh, getting uh, amazing uh, acclaim by those that have seen it before it originally aired. I saw it three times before its original airing, and it was uh, just as compelling to me uh, the third time I watched it as it was the first time I watched it. Very honest, very coarse, and man, it's just amazing how close Rick came to losing everything, really, that's important, as a result of how he approached the wrestling business. But his approach made him the best in the world, but at what price? And I think if you watch the 30 for 30, check your local listings on ESPN. They'll be airing it many, many times, I'm sure. And I think it's got legs, it's going to be around a long time. You're going to be feeling better maybe about things when you see this. And certainly that will go for the Ted DiViase Price of Fame. It'll be available after it's a you know November 7th, a theatrical release. It'll be available digitally, priceoffame.com. You can find all about that there. Uh, I think it'll also be available on uh, DVD. I think Ted told me that they look like they're going to have a DVD distribution deal with Walmart, and that's big. And congratulations to Ted on that. Really an interesting story, too, you know, about where a man's career getting completely absorbing him and almost costing him his entire family and I can identify parts of that story so it's not a it's a story that needs to be told and it's a story that we can all learn from quite frankly so that's what's coming up there this week DV price of fame and if you, you missed it at the theater price of fame.com can tell you how to get your digital copy and then eventually the DVD. Really good story. You know, Nature's thing on ESPN was such a, got such a massive rollout and promotion. It was scary. Uh, they have high, high expectations for the ratings. High, high, backdrop, backs on them. They have high expectations, that, uh, and they should. It's really good. I don't know of anybody that does what he does in the television or movie business better than Rory Carp. He's a genius. He loves wrestling. He loves Rick. He spent two years with him doing this business. And he was one of our best guests on the podcast, I thought, a long time, a couple weeks ago. Another fun thing about this book signing tour I'm doing, I like doing it because it gets me out of the house for one reason, selfishly. Just being honest. But I really enjoy connecting in different cities to people that I've known in those cities over a long time. And obviously in the Atlanta market, where I'll be Thursday for a book signing at uh, 7 o'clock at the Barnes & Noble Twenty-nine hundred Peachtree Northeast. That's in Buckhead, by the way. Barnes and Noble in Buckhead, seven p.m. We're i am gonna be signing books and bring your cameras. Selfies are cool. And you got other things for me to sign? Bring it on. Just don't feel like you have to buy a book to come. We'd rather you buy a book. To be very honest with you, but well, I ain't gonna turn anybody away. Come on. So that's Thursday. Barnes and Noble in Atlanta. I'm gonna see a lot of old friends there. I'm gonna—I'm gonna hook up with Gary Jester. Who promotes now for Ring of Honor? I'm going to be on Tony Schiavone's radio show on Wednesday night at nine o'clock Eastern, in the studio, with Noah Anthony Schiavone, my old roommate on the road. What we were prepared to draw to, making thirty-five dollars a day per diem, all in the car, the food, the room, you know, cable porn, everything, thirty-five dollars. But when we pooled our resources, folks, we had seventy dollars. Of expense money. And on All You Could Eat Wing Night at Jocks and Jills, we killed him. We destroyed that bastard. Killed him. So Atlanta uh, is this Thursday. I got some other appearances coming up this month. The Friday night Survivor Series weekend in Houston, uh, I will be there. Oh, that'll be on uh, uh, Friday, November 17th, exactly. Seven o'clock also in Houston at the uh, Barnes & Noble on uh, 5300 FM, 1960 West, but it's Barnes and Noble there, 7 o'clock, as I said, on Survivor Series weekend, the night before the NXT TakeOver and War Games and uh, Survivor Series. So good weekend to be in Houston, right? Home of the World Series champs. I got tons of friends there. It's going to be fun. Wallace Marsh, Sean Pendergast, Radio Guru. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Love those people. They're like family to me, really. I'm not. They ain't no BS. There's a picture I put on my. I put on. Uh, sometimes I use. I'm sitting there with my and my wife, and I'm wearing my Slobberknocker shirt, I think. And Wallace took the picture, and it's me and it's me and her getting ready to get in the car to go to the Super Bowl from his house where we stayed that weekend. So I I love those folks. Good people. Good folks. And then I got a signing in uh in Mid South, the heart of Mid South, baby in New Orleans, actually in Metairie, New Orleans suburb. That's going to be on Wednesday, November 29th at 7 o'clock, Barnes & Noble, at 3721 Veterans Memorial Boulevard in Metairie, Louisiana. Because you know I'd rather fight a man than make a load to him. So that'll be fun. There'll be some nice uh, reconnecting there. And then, of course, coming up in December, we have, we're going to be in New York City for a couple of signings and New Jersey. And more on that soon. And for those in the Boston area, I can't, I can't, I don't have the accent. I'm sorry. I even tried that. That just pissed myself off. I'm going to slap myself. Hold on a second. Oh, okay. I'm good. That was hideous. I'll never do that again, Boston. I promise. It's Saturday afternoon, December 16th. Jeremy Borash and I are going to zoom into town as a massive tag team. He always knows to give me the hot tag, so I give my hand raise because my ego is so massive, and it should be because the show's called Ringside with Jim Ross with Jeremy Borash this time. And that's going to be at Laugh Boston. It's a matinee. Tickets available. Information available at laughboston.com. Love to see you there. I'm getting a lot of feedback from you on Slobberknocker. A lot of it's really good, and I sincerely appreciate the feedback. Good, better, or indifferent. you, go, you got to know by what the consumers think of what you created. The negatives I get. Are generally the fact that uh, folks cannot find our book. Uh, for that, I apologize. There has been some uh, distribution snafus. I ain't putting fingers, don't know who to blame. It don't matter. But hopefully it's being it has been rectified, and we are told that many more books are in route, and that would include Amazon UK, which has been out since seemingly day one. Here's the bottom line, folks, and truthful. It's just, I'm just being as truthful as hell. Our publisher and, quite frankly, my team, including me, did not ever anticipate the demand for Slobberknocker that we have experienced and continue to experience, and it has blown away our supply. It is a basic economic issue. The supply has had its ass kicked by the demand. We're trying to get more books, so... All I can say is like uh, they used to at the Briscoe Brothers Body Shop. It's worth the drive. Well, the book is worth the wait. At least that's my story. And, yes, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Big weekend for Oklahoma fans, center fans like moi, my producer Andrew in there. And that it will be the fact that on Saturday night, Texas Christian University rolls into town. They're ranked number eight in the country to play my Sooners. On a 7 p.m. night game on Fox, big national game. Huge game in our league, Big 12 at seven o'clock. I will be there. have friends coming in and, uh, we'll be there with bells on, so to speak. I will be there with a black hat on. I can tell you that. So big weekend. I had fun at Bedlam, texting my buddy, my brother, Jerry Briscoe throughout the game. What a night. But it wasn't like that, you know, we weren't sophomores. We weren't 15. No, 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 no. Come on. It, it was. Uh, we had great conversation. We, he and I are the same in the sense that I I cheer for his team, this Oklahoma State Cowboys, every game but one. I cheer for my Sooners every game. So do the math, and uh, that's all it is. He, Jerry's the same way. So anyway, we had fun. Poor Jerry said, "I really thought this was our year." Well, you know, I did too, quite frankly. But man, oh man, that. Baker, May- if Baker Mayfield doesn't win the Heisman Trophy, I'm going to doo doo stain everything I own. It's just—I mean, how could you? How could the media and the voters vote for anybody else realistically? And you know, O.J.R., oh, you're a homer. Come on, J.R., you're not objective. No, I'm—I'm I'm not objective. But I'm a football fan, and I can sure as hell evaluate talent, same as a lot of you can. And look at what he means to this team. Look what this team is because of him. Look at his numbers. What do you need? Minutes played. He's never lost a a damn road game, for God's sakes. So, anyway, uh, he should should win the Heisman. That's my story. But this weekend, TCU Gary Patterson is a hell of a football coach. He's got some really good players, including a quarterback that can make big plays. And my centers have had issues tackling and tackling athletic quarterbacks to boot. Really a compelling game this weekend. Can't wait. Can you tell I'm excited? Very excited. And the other reason I'm excited is that I have company coming. So I have a house of smell like food. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be activity and voices. It'll be good. So good weekend. Great time to be a uh, fan. No doubt about it. I would normally hear talking a little bit about Bound for Glory. I'm going to do that with Jason here in a moment. But so for right now, ladies and gentlemen, until I see many of you, I hope, this Thursday in Atlanta, to Barnes and Noble. That's what's on my mind.
2: Now on Podcast One Sports, it's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Hear incredible stories on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast. Oh, my. And guess who's talking America's favorite basketball team? Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, the new Podcast One app. And where else, Jay? One.com. Hey folks,
0: don't forget that you can score Jr's delicious uh, products: two barbecue sauces, sweet and spicy, spicy chipotle ketchup. Somebody always hits me about I I can't. It always made me laugh when you would say "Grandmaster Sexy." (laughs) Oh, the wise ass, wasn't I? Sexy, S E X A Y, spelled sexy to me. Uh, But anyway, we've got. Some great barbecue sauces. My mom's original recipes, JR's original, and our hot barbecue sauce. Chipotle ketchup is a sweetened, smoky kind of a taste. Really, really good. Main event mustard, jalapeno honey mustard. It's got one gram of sugar. It's amazing. Clean, low carbs, really good. And our all-purpose seasoning uh, is award-winning. It is just absolutely phenomenal for things you cook on your stove or on your grill as a, as a dry rub. So check it out. That's at www.shop.com for online shopping. Or if you live in the southeastern part of the United States, I wholeheartedly encourage you to see my friends at Ingalls, Ingalls Markets. I have never been a better grocery chain that has more family atmosphere and all the amenities, a beautiful store, than Ingalls Markets. And remember that a portion of everything sold at Ingalls of our products goes to support the efforts the wonderful efforts of Headlock on Hunger. So that's at Ingalls Markets or online at www.shop.com. And by the way, uh, you know, we were in uh, Chicago a couple weeks ago at the new Pro Wrestling Tea Store. Phenomenal. And uh, they got a bunch of Slobberknocker merch, and they got all kinds of logos, JR stuff. Check that out. But here's the deal, man. They had a few bottles of sauce and stuff left when I, when I walked out the door. And they also, I signed a bunch of extra books for them, Slobberknocker. So you can buy a signed copy of Slobberknocker at the uh, Pro Wrestling Tea shop there in Chicago, and they're good people to do business with. They're wrestling fans that really uh, they take care of a lot of the boys and girls in the business, and i got a lot of time for Ryan Barker and his crew. They're good people, good people. That's at ProWrestlingTees.com. The Ross Report. Got a lot of favorites that come on the show, probably more than uh, I deserve. One of them Jason Powell ProWrestling.net. Jason, first of all, thanks for joining us as usual.
1: Always a pleasure, Jim. Great to be back.
0: You know, I, I talked to uh, Blake Bell, the former quarterback at Oklahoma on the sideline of the Bedlam game Saturday. Yeah. Quite a hell of a game, by the way. He is now a Viking. Did you know that? No. Yeah. He left the 49ers. You know, the funny part about it, you know, he's a, he's a tight end. If quarterback at OU, the belldozer. Good kid, dad and uncle's dad and his uncle both play in the NFL, so it's kind of his DNA. He really is excited about the opportunity. He likes the energy. I guess the Forty Nine er environment right now is not so good. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, and the Vikings seem to be on their way up.
1: We'll see. You know that first half of the schedule. Eh, you know they beat the Saints week one, which was a nice win, mm-hmm. and then the only other really signature win would be the Packer game. But you know Rogers was knocked out so early. That, that schedule gets a lot tougher. I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm also a Viking fan, which makes me a, a pessimist by nature.
0: Well, if they could continue to play good defense, yeah. and they can continue to get some first downs by running the ball, therefore controlling the clock. A lot of people don't understand that when you, you say, well, why do you want to run the ball? Well, it's the best way to control the clock. So it just makes sense to me that you keep the other team's quarterback on the bench, and the rest of his buddies on the offense, and, and you keep your offense on the field, and run the damn ball and let the clock run. At the end of the day, the time runs out. You know, they, that's your deal. Us, We want time to run out with us in the lead, in the story.
1: I would feel a lot better about things if we could get uh, fellow Sooner, Sam Bradford, back, but I don't oh, know. It's not yeah. looking good. God
0: bless him, man. You know, I'll tell you, he's legitimately one of the nicest, polite. Uh, well, his parents are wonderful. Just a hell of a good kid. And, and look, nobody's going to feel sorry for Sammy because he's rich. He had that last of the, the big contracts. You know, he was the last number one before all the, the rules changed. That's right. So he, he signed for over $50 million guaranteed. Nobody's going to have a telephone for Sam. But, boy, he, I just felt like he wasn't a big – he didn't drink much. I didn't never know. He had no trouble, no issues. He got a college degree. And, man, he just seemed like he deserved better. Wouldn't it be nice to have – give him one season of injury-free football. With no a t- kidding. You know, so – Hey, maybe it'll happen, but nonetheless, we can talk about football. We're here to talk a little bit about Bound for Glory. That was on Sunday night in uh, Ottawa. The event has been met with mixed reviews by some. I'd like you to share your thoughts on it with us. Some people thought that it was a good show, solid show. Some people thought that they, they, meaning impact, missed the opportunity to hit that reset button, Jason, and really make a, make an eye-opening difference. So, what was your take on it?
1: A colossal failure. Um, you know, obviously, talent's out there working hard. It's not on them. This is new creative, having a chance to just send the right message that things are going to be different this time around. That, you know, our pay-per-view, our, our pay-per-view events are worth watching. Our title matches mean something. And by ending the main event with outside interference, again, it just felt like everything bad about TNA back in the day. It was a TNA finish, so you can call it Impact Wrestling, but this was a TNA finish, and it just left a horrible taste in my mouth.
0: I can uh, remember using the term lazy booking for inordinate run-ins and the like. I felt like the event... And I, I'm with you. I love the work ethic. I didn't see anybody laying on their ass. I didn't see anybody that wasn't laying their stuff in and making some contact. All of that was, the effort was excellent. So the talents, now somebody, did some of them work smart? Eh, well, I guess arguable. But the point is, is there were too many gimmicks used, too many gimmick matches, too many outside inanimate objects being utilized. And by the time that you saw the last one, you didn't give a damn. So I don't know. I I thought way too many gimmicks on the show. That was that's what marked it down for me. Was the I thought it was lazy booking in that respect. And there's too much duplicity. That's my thoughts on that.
1: It, it just for some reason. It, it, other you know, two two thousand sixteen. I thought was a banner year for that company creatively, despite what all the issues outside of the ring. I. Started the year kind of dreading impact and then it, um, it, they had a good show. And I'm like, all right, let's see if this keeps up. It's impact. And it, it did. It kept getting better or at least maintaining that good quality. I really enjoyed it. And then they did another creative shakeup. Yeah. Went backwards and uh, you know, they lost a lot of talent along the way too. But this, you know, again, this was a chance for them to come in. I just, I don't know what is so difficult about just presenting a good, straightforward wrestling show, main event that just ends in a clean finish. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, no matter who gets in charge of this, by and large, creatively, they make the same damn mistakes over and over again.
0: I think, uh, the, the, the group that was in charge prior to this one, creative group I'm referring to, uh, they, there's some pretty sharp guys in that from fundamental wrestling skill sets. Yeah. Right, in my view, all good guys. I don't even, who's on the creative, who's doing that now? Who's, I don't even who's in, who's in that loop, to be honest with you.
1: These days, it's Scott DeMore, John Gaboric, Sanjay Dutt. I believe Abyss is involved to some extent. Jeremy Borash. I don't know what the status of Dutch Mantel is. He was with the Jared regime. He's technically still with the company, to the best of my knowledge, but I don't know how actively involved he is. So basically, it went from Jeff Jarrett to a lot of the guys that Jeff brought in to be part of his team when Jeff was dismissed.
0: Yeah. Who was the star of the show work
1: Work, I would say it was the tag team match, the the, the OVE and LAX match. Um, They just went out there and had a big brawl. You know, it's it's too bad there were other big brawls on the show, and, and it didn't stand out more. Yeah. But I really did feel like those guys left it all out there. They, they and, and I would say uh, the opening six way, even though I just wish we could get back to singles matches between the X Division wrestlers, I thought they did a nice job, too.
0: I think it is a lack of priority and a lack of, uh, I don't want to say a lack of respect, but just that the lack of perception that the creative body you know, or, and or those in within or whatever some of the decision-makers perceive that these X-Division guys are just exactly what you saw on Sunday night. They're an opening match spot fest that has a lot of high risk and a lot of sensationalism, and I find it ironic. I I always used to say, why are we putting it here? Well, we won't get the people up. The people are already up. It's the first damn match, you idiot. (laughs) Right. Oh, my boy. God, yeah, it's the first match. Everybody was, well, yeah, that makes sense. If they're going to be up, then they'll be up on the friggin' first match. So anyhow, I'm with you on that. But there were some nice talents in there. You know, I thought it was kind of well booked because it looked like P.D. Williams is going to win, you know, the hometown favorite, Mm -hmm. the the Canadian destroyer. And I like him. And I thought, well, this might might be interesting. Then I'm thinking, wait a minute. Surely they wouldn't do that and the Gail Kim thing. Right. They'd be pissed for thinking. So. I like the heel retaining and uh, being opportunistic. I thought it was pretty cool. Good finish. The serial, whoever came up with that one back there uh, did a nice job, I thought.
1: Yeah, I, really no issues with that. I, I was actually pleasantly surprised that they kept the title on Lee. He's a talented guy, and they just for whatever reason haven't found their groove with him. They're trying to... Portray him as a Bray Wyatt like cult leader now, and it just doesn't really mesh with what he's doing. But in the ring, he's special, and we uh, hopefully they'll start to show that. We we'll put him in positions to show that. I, I think they have a really nice X division right now uh, with those six guys who are in this yeah. match. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, they can just settle it, settle down. I, I'm guessing, Jim. You know, there's uh, you can speak to this. Probably some uh, some internal pressure to get as many people on the show as possible. I mean, I, I don't think it completely excuses the fact that you, you don't need a six-way opener. Yeah. But I but I do think, you know, it's their biggest <clears throat> show of the year. They wanted to get those guys
0: on the show. Right. Sure. Yeah, and I, I understand that. And sometimes it's better not to die on that hill if you're the booker or administrator. Right. Because there's this hurt feelings for a long period of time because you got left off. And nobody, hey, look, even us old guys, we don't want to get left off either. But that's sometimes what the reality of it is. But I'm with you, and I get what they're doing. I had higher expectations for the Monsters' ball match. hmm And I just thought, as much like Grado, he went a little silly on me. He got a little overdramatic facials and things like that, and asking the crowd if I should hit him. And yeah, he, he turned his back on his opponent three or four times. And if it was real... Would you do that? No, of course not. So they're gonna, now you can say, but it's not real, JR, but it's supposed to be portrayed as real. Any two son of a bitch is going to fall around on thumbtacks and barbed wire and whatever the hell else sticks in you. Got my uh, full respect, but I'm, uh, I, I thought it, the match would be a little bit better. And here's one of the things, too. Lots and lots of gimmicks, and, lots of, and the match was too long.
1: It was. It overstayed its welcome. I did, I really wasn't expecting this style of match. I thought we were going to get the Jeremy Borash produced type of thing where they go backstage and they have a lot of you know, stuff com- comparable to the Broken Hardys or when it was Jeremy Borash teaming with, um, uh, I guess Joseph Park against Josh Matthews and Scott Signer and they took a similar approach because I just didn't really feel like they built this up well enough where it really felt like this hate, this heated, grudge feud that needed a monster's ball. You yeah. uh, had two guys standing face-to-face backstage exchanging words before they go out for a monster's <laughs> ball. When I think Hello. a monster's <laughs> ball, I, I, I think of two guys who can't stand each other and, and would come to blows immediately, so I thought that felt really forced, too.
0: Yeah. You know, I've got a, uh, a story in my stage show. The next one, December 16th in the uh, Boston folks, if you're keeping score, this woman paid, wanted to pay me $100 to take a picture of Andre the Giant frontal nudity in the shower. She was a hotel, uh, worked ran the hotel, front desk, and gave me 100 bucks to get a picture of Andre. And I, I, of course, I, I bailed out. I'd have, I know the balls to do that, but that's kind of what I would expect. The Monster's ball. I should I should put that story in my next book and entitle it Monster Balls.
1: You know, what you should have done is uh, just cleared it with Andre. Hey, Andre, I'm going to take a picture I, of the back of your head, and we'll split the money.
0: Yeah. I, I, mean, I told him after the fact, and he, was, he, was, he looked at me inquisitively, saying, Why didn't you do it? We'd split the money. Oh, that's great. I said, Well, the next time an opportunity from a female, or a male for that matter, if it's okay with you, the money's green, solicits me to take a photo of your penis, I'll now know the direction to take. <laughs> So oh, never came up, though, did it? No, never, no pun intended. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Never came up. <laughs> hey, uh, I thought the, uh, the six-man tag was not bad. And another one uh, that seemed to go long to me, but maybe it didn't. I didn't dislike it. I wasn't quite up on the storyline. And without me being up on the storyline, what I saw during the match didn't embrace me. I didn't, it didn't pull me in. I, so I, I never got connected, I guess, Jason, what I'm trying to say on that deal.
1: You know, I cover that show every single week at Pro Wrestling. And that storyline took so many weird twists. I I think they ran out of first-run material. (laughs) And so they had to start grabbing stuff from Mexico. And it didn't mesh with the story they were telling. And so EC3 comes out all pouty and didn't want to be with those guys. And I guess the big hurrah moment was supposed to be, hey, now he's into this. It just didn't really click. It was a waste of three former world champions in storm and edwards and ec3 all in that match nothing against the triple a guys but i just don't think this storyline caught any fire uh i like Tejano quite a bit um i i also like Phantasma. pagano i mean as much as they talk about how great he is in the ring he looked like he was doing the ec3 bit and it wasn't intentional <laughs> he just looked like he wanted to be anywhere but in that ring yeah yeah
0: well that's an issue sometimes within our business right now uh Guys are playing the role of a, of being a pro wrestler, Jason. They play that role. And when some of them are in it that weren't born to be in it, they haven't, like, learning to drink scotch, I'm told. They haven't acquired the taste. So uh, I think that that's kind of how I see that deal, buddy. It's just some talents just, they have a bad night. They're tired. They don't want to be there. The payoff's not what they want. It's too far. It's too cold. The hotel's bad, whatever. So they take it out on, the most important people in their life—that's their fans. So that's not good. I, I kind of like those Ohio boys. Ohio versus everything.
1: What the hell does that mean?
0: I don't know, but I kind of—that's the—that's the thing about it. I'm talking about it with you, and I did jumped out of me. I, they have a lot of charisma and they're aggressive, and they look like they sound. They look like redneck dirtbag bikers or something. Hell, I don't know, but the kind of guys that might come by your house and knock on the door and. Well, no, they need some trash hauled off and they see you weren't home then to come on in and get what they wanted. Dangerous guys. I like them.
1: Conan calls them tweakers. <laughs> they definitely resemble that. I, I, yeah, I think there's talent there. Uh, definitely. They used to work as Irish Airborne. People may remember that from Ring of Honor at one point. And obviously hmm. various independents. But yeah, they, they changed their name to Ohio versus everything <laughs> and they just cram it in there at the weirdest time. you yeah. It'd be like, Hey, I'm going to do a podcast. Why? Because Ohio versus everything. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm guessing this like started as some independent name, and it, they were working Ohio, so why not? Yeah. And uh, they need to scrap it. But I do like the addition of Sammy Callahan to this. It gives them a little bit of toughness. Yeah. Now, when, when you watch this match, Jim, at the end of it, was that supposed to be a double turn? Because I really I, I couldn't tell from listening to the broadcast team, but I think it was.
0: Wow, good question. It didn't stand out to me to be a double turn, but now that I think back on it, I can see where you would think that and where you may be right. I don't know. Yeah. Farmed out, I guess, sooner than later. Yeah. On the 3,000 hours of television they're producing this week in that same venue.
1: No kidding. Uh, hey, you can get paid to go there, JR. You need 50 bucks? No. You're kidding. No, they're doing a, uh, they're paying background actors to sit in the crowd. Oh, my God. It's, it's come to that. So if you're in Ottawa and you want 50 bucks, or, yeah, you hey, go. maybe you we're going to pay good money to go to Impact, well, now they'll pay you to go.
0: And if you have costumes, you can go multiple times and under new identities. Yeah, another, perfect. Another $50. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, I will say this about LAX, and I haven't seen a lot of their work to say, well, this is not as good as their match a month ago or whatever. I thought they are pretty good, without no doubt. But here's what I like. Uh, I like Conan. Yeah. I like Conan. Conan is a perfect for the stereotypical perfect villain. But he would never say that because he's created an image that where he can be a cult hero to his people and he can be a scary villain to others. He's a perfect casting, I think. I don't understand how he had done movies or something.
1: He's a talented guy, and the funny thing, what you see is what you get You know, when it comes to Conan so he doesn't really have to reach to play the role. When it, I mean, you know, they're they're talking about how he has prostitutes and all this other crazy stuff. So it's not like you know, and basically implying that they're selling drugs. Not that part of it, but just when you hear him talk, having interviewed him in the past, that's just who he is. You yes. know, when it comes to the, the the witty lines and things like that, smart guy, very I, smart. I, yeah, yeah, I, I think he adds so much to that, and I really, that's been the one reboot when it comes to kind of. I guess going for nostalgia when Jeff took over again, bringing back LAX. I'm like, oh boy, you know who's gonna, who's going to be in this group? Well, they found the right guys, Ortiz and uh, oh, I can't remember Santana, I think it is. Um, they've done a really nice job. That's uh, probably the coolest act that company has.
0: I like them, and, and Conan makes it work. I don't get to see enough of a match without run-ins and interferences, where where no, there's there's an indifferent mood that the finish produces right there's no there's no there's no taking me on down the road a little bit if my favorite guy gets screwed and he gets beat and i and he got cheated somebody cheated to win i want to see my guy get retribution there's a reason for my guy to make another to have another run this fella or woman whatever but golly uh you know, there's when you have those count-outs and DQs and run-ins and and ridiculous things that bury the referee. I don't know who gets over it. So what you have is for the boys or the girls a tremendous amount of work, Jason, that doesn't produce anything of any viability. You know, it's just like it's like a it's still kissing your sister finishing football. You know, yeah. Nobody wants to experience that.
1: Well, I mean, you, the one match we've skipped so far, the Taiji Shamori facing Tyson Dukes, just kind of added to the show, a couple yeah. of Cruiserweight guys, and it's like, okay, this is a decent match, and, and then they decided to distract us with Laurel Van Ness playing her drunken yeah. Courtney Love character yeah. on the side.
0: The, but here's the other thing, for me, so i say I'm a casual uh, Impact fan. I didn't know who the hell uh, the men were in the second match.
1: Ishimori's been on their television lately. Um, you know, He's... A pro wrestling, no regular, but yeah, like, give us a video package. But they they didn't do that. Nothing. And Dukes, I'd forgot. They said he was part of Team Canada back in the day. I'd forgotten. He was in the Cruiserweight Classic for WWE. Um But yeah, it just was very random. It felt like, all right, they had to pull a women's match from the show. And so they decided to fill that time with this. Yeah. But it turned out to be a mistake because clearly they ran out of time, which yeah. we'll get to when it comes to the, the,
0: the knockouts title match. Yeah, well... I sent out a tweet at J-R-S-B-B-Q folks who are interested that if Gail Kim doesn't win this match and the title on her last Bound for Glory event, I am going to cease considering that wrestling can ever be logical again. (laughs) Logic does not have anything to do with a surprise, unpredictability. It's not logical for her not to win, in my view. Bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. For God. for what? And somebody's got to tell me and convince me, and I'll be happy to listen to anybody that wants to come on the show, how multiple swerves are extremely good for the business. So, because I say it this way if you do a lot of swerves, Mr. Powell, then all of a sudden the audience loses confidence in your ass. Right. And then we stand in a stupid ceremony that. Or somebody in an office somewhere, wearing a little shirt and a tie, is thinking that they understand the typical wrestling fan because they're a wrestling fan, and you look how they're raised and in their degree and what they do for a living, and you, and you realize they're not typical of anything. They're not they're not the normal Joe Blow, Miller Road, mass appeal product, uh, loving person. So that's kind of where I see this deal. I don't believe that. uh Things need to change a little bit on this fundamental side, and that comes back to the the, the booking of Gail Kim. I think she she's a credit to the businessman. She has so much to offer in in a variety of ways in the business world. I think.
1: Yeah, it sounds like she's going to be sticking around as an agent for them, and I think that'll be really good for the Knockouts division too. She certainly has the respect of that locker room. It, it's you know it's unfortunate, obviously, that that uh, they had to uh, pull Karen Terrell from the match. It was supposed to be a four-way. Kind of led to an awkward situation where you had two Canadian baby faces and one heel. I, I wish they would have just come up with a way to pull Allie from the match. And I'm someone who really digs that character. I think it would have been better off just going one on one, but they did, they made the right call and put in Gail came over and it should have been the moment of the show. And because they were running long, we, we saw about five seconds of her celebration. Didn't even get a replay of the match.
0: Well, rush, rush, rush. The show started got, got real heavy. And it got real heavy for no reason. It got real heavy because apparently either talents went in business for themselves or the dumb bastards can't tell time. Right. Come on. You, well, and- they screwed their buddies. And they're not hey, – look, and you're not the main event, by the way. You're not the end of this card. We, we backloaded this bastard. What are you doing?
1: Let me ask you this, Jim, because th- this did stand out
0: to me. If you
1: – so let's pretend the show's not running long. You're going to have Gail Kim win the knockouts title – Presumably, you'd have a nice, you know, celebration. They'd stick with it for a little bit, and she'd have her moment with the fans. Sure, and, but then you are going to have a long delay to set up the cage. It just seems like that match shouldn't have been placed there. They shouldn't have been back to back.
0: Now that's a good point. I, I can see that. I know this. The the uh, Dan Lambert was the best talker on the show. I thought. Here is why I say that. I listened to every word he said, and I am an old wrestling guy. That's probably you know cranky and. Hateful. <laughs> What's that guy doing in my business, Kid? Right. I you know, bastard. But he was really entertaining. And what he said touched nerves. I thought it was pretty good. Did you did you like his promos?
1: Yeah, he's a he's you know, just seeing him on the show and like, oh get this guy off the show, please. But once he started actually delivering promos, it was like, hey, he's pretty good at this. I still think even though he's a good talker, he comes off like Somebody's dad. You know, he just doesn't have the look or the charisma for it. But you know, maybe it'll grow on me. I also don't think like the material is there. This whole MMA against pro wrestling thing. Yet you have a wrestler and an MMA fighter on each team. It really didn't make any sense.
0: Who is he anyway?
1: He is the guy who runs American Top Team's facility. Really, I call him Deep Pockets uh, Dan because <laughs> I he at one point in the early days he I guess was close to purchasing. UFC. And he has said in interviews he was such a pro wrestling fan that somehow got him into MMA to get him closer to the business somehow. And this goes back a while. Hmm. So he's a big pro wrestling fan who just happened to get into the MMA world, I guess. I, I do worry that anytime a guy who has deep pockets suddenly is getting thrown all over the television show, that there's more than beats the eye. Somebody's, uh, Somebody's thinking that uh, they'd like to get into those deep pockets.
0: Huh? Well, he can talk. Yeah, I can tell you that he can talk. They closed the show with what should have had every protection available, and that would be the gimmicks. The main event needed a table. Nobody else uses a table. You're judicious, but golly, they can't have everything. They don't need everything. Right. So you, but they got to have some exclusivity uh, to their match because they're closing the show and you should be able to give me something closing the show that hasn't been overdone earlier in the night. I like the fact that they put a real good uh, focus on Johnny Impact. He's a hell of an athlete, no doubt about it. He's really, really good. And this uh, Eli Drake kid, he has something. He's a good talker, obviously, but uh, I think in time and maybe much sooner than later, he's going to become a, I would see him being a really good, solid wrestling heel. But how I would frame him. He's a wrestling heel who will beat you with his wrestling, and when he can't, then he'll cheat to give him the unfair advantage and beat you.
1: So. That's that's what they need to They need to get him to that point, and that's what I was hoping they were going to do here. You know, I would have understood, like, had they decided it's our biggest show of the year, we're going to put the title on impact, I kind of was bracing for that. It's not what I would have done, but okay, so be it. But it, my hope was that they're going to find a way to let Eli Drake go over and do it in a clean fashion to kind of establish him as more than that pest heel type, because he is a very good talker. He just right now lacks that in-ring credibility, I think with the audience. I think they look at him and think, well, the other guy's going to win unless Chris Adonis interferes. And I think your real money matches between baby faces and heels are when fans go, man, that, that heel, I don't know if the baby face, I, I, I hope he can win, but I don't know that he can beat this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's a showdown match. And, They've failed in that company, by and large, over the years. Even when Jeff Jarrett was booking himself as champion, how many guitar shots and and how much cheating did we see? And it just became so tiresome. It's like, would you make yourself come off as credible? And he just never did. And they're making that mistake with Eli Drake right now.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing about Eli Drake is that it isn't like we're talking about a tenured veteran with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of matches under his belt. He's, he's kind of getting this thing going in you know, his career, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's not a rookie. I get that, folks. I get it. But look at his body of work, and this is not an indictment on Eli Drake. He just hasn't had that much match time, ring time. And how much ring time has he had in longer matches with talents that are better than him on the road? Very limited. Think about that. And that's where you get better. You wrestle guys better than you on the road and if you get booked that way, you know the company's looking out for you because they want to bring you up. That's the logical part about booking. Part of, one of the logical parts. And I don't know that he's had that opportunity. Was he one of your guys by any chance? Uh uh-uh, uh. No. Okay. But I like him. I saw him I saw Tate him early on and certainly endorsed him because I thought he would make it. He has an organic arrogance. Absolutely. And you can't teach that, as somebody said one time on a promo. <laughs> right. But he's got something there. But the problem with this I Just identified speaks to a bigger picture of these guys. Like an impact, they need to stay really, really busy, and some of them, for whatever reasons, don't. I don't know if they don't. They can't get booked. They don't want to be booked. They're they they ask for too much money, whatever. I don't know. I didn't probably have a strong opinion on the show as you did, but I didn't. I didn't love it. It wasn't my. I didn't keep it on my DVR, but I enjoyed the, the While I was watching it, it, seemed like I enjoyed most of it. But I thought it was kind of mistimed. I would probably have tweaked some booking. Some of the gimmicks would have been Ixnade. But uh, I couldn't say anything about, as nor did you, about the talent's efforts. They they busted their ass. They did all they could do. I
1: I just want them to get it together creatively. I don't know why it's so difficult to just present a good, straightforward pro wrestling show without all of the interference and all of the gimmick matches and everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully, you know, with new creative now taking over, we're going to start to see some real change at these impact tapings. I think they have the title on the right guy and Eli Drake, but they need to find a way to make him seem special. Um, one little thing that I think he needs to work on is sounding a little less like The Rock than he does. I think he's a hell of a talker, but if you close your eyes and you listen to him, you can hear Dwayne Johnson in there, and it's a hell of a guy to emulate, no doubt about that. Yeah. But just that, that little, thing, just a little bit of a knockoff that, that comes into play there. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned, Jim, is Alberto El Patron, that promo that uh, he basically had about a minute worth of material that he stretched out over 10 minutes, and <laughs> then that uh, the interference in the main event that I don't think anyone wanted to see.
0: I was compelled to watch it. I watched that promo because I, I thought, uh-oh, he's going to do something to Jv. Right. Then what happens? I need Jv in Boston on December 16th. <laughs> <laughs> don't you get hurt, you bastard. You're counting on you. They had an interesting night at the uh, announce table, and I, and I thought, just closing this thing out, I thought they both did, uh, Josh and uh, Jv did not allow themselves to overtalk the show, and they didn't always talk about, in exact terms, exactly what I see as a viewer. Right. When announcers endlessly describe exactly what you're seeing on the television screen, and very little else, you know that they're bored to shit. They are—they have been disconnected. And all they're doing is trying to get through the night because there's nothing creative, no analyzing, no question asking, no emotion. It's just a, here we go. And I, and I didn't hear that from those guys. They let it breathe. And I think that's a, maybe an inherent trait of the uh, two-man team, maybe.
1: Yeah, I, I like this this team. You know, Once they quit bickering, got through that storyline where they're at each other's throats, and they've just settled down. I think they've been pretty damn good. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I, I think one thing Jeremy Borash really needs to work on is empathizing or at least coming across like he's empathizing with the babyface when they're being attacked. You know, if there's a gang attack, he's just kind of calling it in just a normal voice and he doesn't really, he's not outraged by the actions of the heels and he doesn't sound sympathetic for the babyfaces. But, you know, it's, it's something that, it, it, you know, he's he's been around a long time as a ring announcer, and he's been working at this as a play-by-play voice. So I think he can get there. But uh, but no, I, I think the broadcast team is you know, among the least of this company's worries right now.
0: No, they did a, did a good job. Production was good. I my, I watched them on the fight on the fight app, F I T E. I did too. But the great thing about it is, if you got Wi-Fi, and you got the fight app on your phone or your tablet, you can watch. Anything You can watch a zillion you know, things, including wrestling, a lot of wrestling.
1: Yeah, that's just, I've talked about it with you before on here. It seems like it's this well-kept secret for some reason. They obviously don't want it to be, but I don't think wrestling fans realize how much even free content they can get on there. And if you're somebody who's ordering your pay-per-views for ROH or Impact Wrestling through a cable company well, they're prob- or satellite, they're probably charging you that whole HD upgrade fee that is ridiculous. But if you order through flight, you don't get that.
0: Yeah, right. Absolutely. Tell us uh, about the pro People know I am there pretty much every day. I like the fact that you have straightforward reporting. And I like the fact that you will express an opinion and give me a reason. Not that you have to, but a, some backup as to why you think this way. Pro Tell my my audience about your site because they should really check it out. Because you stay right on top of things. You got a good staff. It's easy to navigate. It's clean. So, tell uh, me something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, updated. Basically, if I'm up and there's news breaking, I'm I'm, I'm up there making sure to, we get that news out there. Um, we also have live coverage of Raw and SmackDown every Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we have uh, coverage of all the major television shows as well. So, if you're looking for not just a rundown of who beat who, maybe you already watched the show, so what do you need that for? But also, we get that commentary. So if you are checking out my Raw review or Jake Barnett's SmackDown review, you're not just getting the basic rundown of what happened in the show, but you're getting that instant feedback that we provide. We also do that for all the major pay-per-view events. I did it for Bound for Glory, did it most recently for the Ring of Honor show as well, and of course all the WWE and NXT events. So uh, yeah, if you're looking for a news fix or you just want... To get uh, an opinion, whether it's uh, through the hit lists or uh, Hayden Gleed's blog or Will Pruitt's blog, we always uh, have some sort of uh, commentary on the site too to kind of let people know where we're coming from. And uh, we don't share a brand. so <laughs> you might uh, you might read something that uh, you disagree with. Heck, I might disagree with it too. But I think it's cool that we have a, a wide variety of opinions on the site. Yeah,
0: and healthy discussion doesn't hurt anybody. Exactly. Underscore healthy. It's a good thing. Uh, well, look, I appreciate you being here. Always support on your site. We shared many of these same opinions with Impact. I don't believe, as I read, it was a complete train wreck. But I understand others that may think that. But I sure as hell appreciate their opinions. So that's all.
1: Hey, can we carry that over to the rest of the world, not just wrestling? Because uh, that seems to be an issue. Not, not just in pro wrestling these days when it comes to respecting the opinions of others.
0: Uh, uh, that's uh, Jason Powell there, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for him. All right. Hey, thanks, Jason. I appreciate you, buddy. Always a pleasure. Always good to talk to Jason Powell, ProWrestling.net. Really good, accurate, clean, easy-to-navigate uh, website, ProWrestling.net. Check them out. And uh, we're going to come back momentarily with uh, my friend Terry Allen, a.k.a. Magnum T.A. He of the hairy chest and manly man physique. After we thank one of the sponsors who makes this podcast possible. Yes, sir. You know I'm talking about True Car. Well, folks, you know that when you're looking to buy a new car, you want to feel comfortable that you're getting a fair price, not some inflated price, not some gimmick price. Too many gimmicks. With True Car, you could get information that empowers you to get pricing context that lets you see what other people in your area paid for the same car that you want. Now, wouldn't that be important? They've already bought what you, what you want. They've already bought theirs. What do you want to know what they paid for it? Sure. You would, unless you're goofy as a pet coon and you're not, uh, it's pricing that you'll see folks. This information I'm talking about before you get to a dealership. So you can feel confident when you show up, you don't show up like a junkyard dog. You should say like a cabbage. All head, had no rear end. And with true car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing. Means a lot. When you're ready to buy a new car, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors. Visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, and as my friend, the Dean Gordon Sully would say, some features are simply not available. In all states. But as I've often said I think I said this, I don't really recall. The gin's available. Gin please. Uh-uh.
1: Pro wrestling fans, join me four days a week on the Wade Keller
2: Pro Wrestling Podcast, where we cover Raw, SmackDown, the hot topics in pro wrestling, and interviews with stars on camera and people who work behind the scenes, such as ex-creative team
1: members. New shows drop every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and you can hear me and co-hosts
2: cover professional wrestling like no one else. With 30 years of experience, I cover pro wrestling with an independent voice, unaffiliated with any wrestling company. Recent guests have included Jim Ross, Teddy Diossi, Jack Swagger, Lillian Garcia, Sean Moody, Stan Hansen, and more. Find my show at Apple Podcasts. Just search Wade and Keller or on the podcast one app this,
0: this is the Ross Report. How are you feeling? you feel good? Other than your cold you're talking about?
3: Yeah, no, I feel great, junior I'm I'm uh you know, fifty-eight years old and gainfully employed with a company I've been with going on ten years this, this January and uh the twins just turned ten. This month, E-O-W- or, E-O-W- or last, m- Yeah, and and, and and my wife, my my wife still lets me chase her around the house every once in a while, and you know life's good.
0: Man, that must be a sight for sore eyes.
3: <laughs> well, you know I can move pretty quick on that
0: segue, I so it's not
3: worth there. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> what
4: I'm
0: saying. You're a you got an advantage. There. You got a advantage there. You started doing some appearances, right? I mean, you do some appearances when you can, right? First of all, if somebody would like to book you on an appearance, because I get asked that, well, you had so and so on and I didn't, I always, I always you, would found out how I could contact them for an autograph or something. So how do they contact you, Terry?
3: Well, it's been very, you know, it, because I don't do it regularly, it, it's kind of networked through, uh, through social media, through Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, people, the promoters and stuff, uh, you know, send me, Messages and stuff, asking if I'm interested in an in appearance and what I'll charge and that kind of thing. So that's been about the best medium that I really know how to do. Uh, Tony, Tony Hunter with Big Time Wrestling here in the, in the Carolinas. He's uh, helped promote me on a few different shows. As a Matter of fact, the one coming up at WrestleCade, uh, I'm going there with uh, with him. Cool. And uh, but, but uh, you know, I I probably do you know, two three things a year, sometimes four, just depending. Uh, the Crockett's had a thing this, this, uh, summer at the ballpark that was real nice that I got to go down and be a part of. So it's just, you know, things that pop up sporadically. Uh, life's just so blooming busy. Yeah. Uh, if I wanted to try to cultivate that, I'm sure I could be much busier than I am. But frankly, uh, keeping up with the family and the kids and, and life is, uh, about all I can handle these days.
0: 10 year old <laughs> twins, buddy. That's work. That's, yes that's, it is. I mean, it's not work or, But you know it's it's there's never a dull moment and there's always something. And I always yeah, beautiful children too, by the way. Uh but you know, good DNA, mom and dad, batine idols.
3: Yep, yep, oh yeah, well thank you. Thank you. I I I, I I'll I'll take that anywhere I get it these yeah, days. Damn right, buddy.
0: <laughs> don't ever don't ever turn down a compliment for goodness sakes. N- no. We, you and I were sharing some thoughts the other day. Uh, then we, I got to talking to you about Tessa. Now, some folks may not be aware that you're married to Tessa's mother and Tessa's father's Tully Blanchard. So she's got some Tully and Joe Blanchard DNA in her, and she's been raised kind of under your watchful eye. So that's more wrestling influence. How has it been for her to have Tully and you two amazing rivals I said with the Italics up there. Uh you hate each other. You know it was a great it was a great marriage, man. You and him were great yeah.
3: make great music. Yeah. Yeah, And 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 you know he and I can can sit together in front of a crowd doing the Q&A today and and just be right back in sync, you know, where we were 30 years ago. I mean, he he's he's such a professional and and we just had a great chemistry you know all the way around and 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 Tessa has inherited that that quality, that intangible thing that you either have or you don't. And she has it. And she also has this passion for this this thing called wrestling that both her dad and her grandfather and I, you know, were in love with. Yep. So uh, you know, she's she's destined for for great things and, and I just tried to and I don't know if you ever follow any of her posts, but she really Tries to, to stay positive, stay focused. You know, just always trying to be the best that she can be, and bringing out the best in others. And uh, you know, I'm just really proud of her, and her mom is too.
0: Uh, and you should be. And, I'm, and I knew that you would be. Uh, I don't know her real well. I follow her on Twitter, uh, uh, and I enjoy that follow. And I met her at uh, the Mae Young Classic, and got to work with her a couple of days, and I enjoyed the heck out of that. She has an amazing future, I think, ahead of her. And you hit the nail on the head. The only thing that can curtail those dreams from happening for her, in my opinion, is either something unforeseen, God forbid, that we can't control, or she starts having these mental issues of why am I not here? Why am I not there? Why have I haven't this happen? Why has this happened? But she can never second guess herself. She's got everything she needs to have, and the great thing: she's so damn athletic. she The great thing about those young athletes like that, Terry, you know, they just get better. Yeah. They get
3: better. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the the match I watched her run that May Young Classic was the best piece of work I've seen her do, you know, here to date. And I know that, you know, young lady she was in the ring with is a, you know, seasoned pro. And, uh, but I mean, still, Tessa, uh, was assertive and, and believable and charismatic and all the things that I've always wanted to see come together for her. So she's cut out the right sheet of cloth. And, and I, I think that, uh, you know, she has her days where it, it's hard with her patients because she looks around and she's hungry and, and wants it. But she just, you know, she's just continuing, continuing to fine tune this machine. And she knows she can be much, much better yeah. than she is today. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, she knows she will just continue to improve with time. She just, she's just anxious for it. She's, uh, I mean, she's starving to be. Uh, get a chance to be on the big stage, and you know the WWE has got the only form in the world that's going to enable her to to achieve the dreams that she wants in wrestling. Matter of fact, I even talked to her about uh, you know the acting and whether she was interested in that after doing that that uh, work in that movie with The Rock, and she said because yeah, she she was involved in drama in high school and everything, and and I could always see her in that, and and honestly, she loves the wrestling so much. That she said, you know, hands down, she would rather be in in the world of, of wrestling than in the acting uh, field. And you know, she may change her mind about that ten years down the road. But today, you know, her hunger, her goal uh, is not to use wrestling as a stepping stone. That is the goal, you know, to one day, you know, follow the footsteps of a uh, Ashley Flair and and be able to climb the ladder and and make her make her own mark you know, by herself, not because of her name, but because of she's paid her dues and walked her way up the ladder.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I remember talking to her in Orlando and I thought that she had the best match of the first round of that tournament. I thought she was in the best match in the entire first round of that tournament. And, you know, of course, as we know, Terry, the business is a business. Somebody's going to go over it. Somebody's not, but we try to take good care of everybody in these matches because all of them are cold. And they really didn't know who the baby faces and the heels were. It's really a unique entity. It was almost like we're forced to call a sporting event. Wow.
3: Well, and and you had to tell a story to your point. You had to to let them visually understand who the characters were, their personalities, why they were what they were. And uh, it it was neat because I ended up watching the whole first round because I missed it when it was the first broadcast, and I couldn't find it. So I ended up watching the whole blooming thing. Of course, she was like the last one yeah, of yeah, all of them, yeah. but but it was good because I got to compare her to you know just a magnitude of different you know girls that I'd never seen before either, and you know look at what their aptitude was or what made them markedly different than some others, and and I I just you know I I can't I know I'm prejudiced, but there is something unique there to be had it, simply because of the fact that she's not shy of the microphone. And she doesn't have a problem with being directed. Uh, you know, I had off to her because that would just, you know, somebody could give me an idea. That's great. But to tell me, you know, verbatim what I'm supposed to do, yeah. I'd lose it. And, and she can, she can take those things and make them her own, which is what you have to do to be successful today.
0: And she's got physicality. She's tough. The, the reason I bring that is toughness sometimes ties into being durable. For sure, can you imagine, Terry? You got now what you got. In the, what was your, your first year in the business? Is what eighty. Eighty, Okay, and maybe a little before you, but really, probably maybe not. But can you imagine how some of our peers in nineteen eighty would have uh, reacted if our promoter, let's say Jim Crockett Promotions at that time, for example, made a massive effort to upgrade women's wrestling? Like Paul Levesque has in WWE with NXT and so forth, there would be a goddamn revolt.
3: Oh yeah, because that was you know that was an accepted part of the business. But it was like it was like the when Andre would come, the midgets would come, the different tours would come. You know, they 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 were part of that. They were part of that attraction that would come in and out. You know, twice a year or something, or for you know, big a big event and not part of a program or part of the, the regular, uh, you know, roster, uh, whatsoever. So no, I, I can't imagine that in any way, shape or form. I mean, my hat's off to them and, and, and they've got a, a caliber of athlete in the women's division today that's second to none. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that they, they really are. They've taken, they've taken the game up and, uh, My hat's off to them. I'm really proud of what they've, the opportunities they've given the women, but it's also made it that much tougher because now women of greater physical capabilities and athleticisms and backgrounds are all looking at, you know, the potential of a career in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And, and so you're, you're not just competing with the, you know, the little girl that had the dream of being the wrestler, you're competing with world class athletes in, in some circumstances and, and, uh, just some real beast. <laughs> the girl from the, the UFC that I, that I watched in that tournament. I mean, my gosh, she's an animal.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. The Mae Young Classic, I thought it was loaded with talent. I mm-hmm. like Mia Yim. I like, uh, Tony Storm. So there's a lot of great talent there and, uh, Triple H has got a, deserves a lot of credit for, Look, you know, he's kind of an old school guy, too. You know, he's a Kowalski guy. A lot of these questions I got, well, my buddy Wallace Marsh wanted to know why do you think in the Mid South, he grew up a big Mid South fan, and, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, OU, and so all the Mid South area. He was wondering, why do you think in your own mind that you're so popular in this territory with men and women, whereas a lot of the baby faces that really appeal to the women, did not appeal to their counterpart males. Why do you think you had that balance? Was it your, your look, your presentation, the the way you're presented on television? I mean, what do you what do you think it was?
3: I think the men liked it because they liked my intensity. I wasn't the the just super polished, uh, you know, can do all this, you know, nice acrobatic, high flying type, you know, maneuvers and things that are just smooth as silk and and it, it looked, what I did look rugged. It looked like a contest. It looked like I was going to take somebody's head off. They could look in my eye. If, if you were, if you were anywhere in the building and saw me, you know, staring down my opponent, you know, I, I mean, I had goosebumps because I, I was just very intense in that persona. So I think the guys, you know, were able to live vicariously mm-hmm. through, through that. And, and because I was, you know, 240 pounds, which in, in the real world is a big guy. Yep. But in the, that world, when you're out there with guys like Steve Dr. Death Williams and Kamala and, you know, 300 plus pounder guys, you know, you always appeared to be the kind of underdog, right. but a very tenet, but a very tenacious one. And, and I think that that was something that they could relate to. And you know their their trials and tribulations and struggles in life and just things that they'd want to fight back and come back from. You know they probably got to live a little of that vicariously through me. You know we're wrestling too and the Midnight Express always getting the best of us where we were having to take the lashes and with the leather belts and all that stuff Bill had us doing. And uh, I mean it, I mean it was it was very intense.
0: People don't understand that that didn't happen once. It happened around the territory. You get booked. Every night you do the finish, yep. here come the lashes, right? I mean.
3: Yeah. And, and he let them know that, you know, if, if there wasn't marks, uh, if, if there wasn't marks on your back when you came back in, he was going to find them. I mean, he, he was serious about, oh, you know, yeah. that protecting and the business, course, protecting. Yeah. You business. know, that's right. And it was that latigo leather belt that Grizzly was so kind to provide just worked out really great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but again, that's what we all, were fighting to do was to just depict a contest and a struggle that was so realistic that you would be on the edge of your seat. No matter what you thought, it would pull you in. I mean, I could watch. I could sit there because I watched all the matches all the time anyway. And when things were really good, I mean, I'd be sitting there struggling with them. I mean, because I'm still a fan of the business and, and always loved it. And the guys that were really good at what they did, I could watch them every night and enjoy it.
0: What did you take away from the Mid-South territory? What did you learn from the cowboy that you took with you everywhere you went as an active wrestler? And maybe even today, I don't know, but what did, what did you learn from the cowboy?
3: Well, there was, prof- first of all, there was professionalism with which he ran that, that team. I like to call it. And he made everybody take pride in themselves and conduct themselves and uh, appear to the public as professional athletes. And I remember Ernie Ladd, uh, when I very first was in there and, and seeing somebody wearing a sloppy workout outfit or something or a gym or sweatpants or something to get on an airplane he said, look, you're, you know, you're a professional athlete and you should be representing yourself as such. And you're really a disgrace right now. And that, you know, I'd never heard anybody say that. I, I mean, it, Florida was very loose. Guys running around in shorts and flip flops, and you know everything else. And it was just a, you know, just kind of a whole different world. But coming there to that, it was, it was first of all, it was my first shot to work in main event angles and, and have an opportunity to work on top. But then to be you see the professionalism that Bill drove in the business and his passion for the business here and those speeches that he made you know, every week in Shreveport at the at the Irish Meals Boy Center yeah. you
4: know, when
3: we did TV were inspiring. I mean he was he could rub, he could be intense and he could be a a bull in a china shop, <laughs> but he was inspiring to to the point of making you want to be your best. Oh yeah. And yeah and he'd by God make you believe, you know, half the stories that he told and, and make you want to go out there and make people believe the ones that you were yet to to unfold yourself because he inspired you to get do
0: it. He was really a, an amazing strategist uh, in many areas, no doubt. But when you're joining the hip with him, like I was, you don't get away from that. You know, you hear those mini pep talks throughout the day occasionally when you will get <laughs> going go a tangent about something. Do you rank Tully as your best rival, or I mean, was it Tully, or was it in a, somebody? Was it, who was it? It was Tully. Your he, he's the one that's most prominent, but there you had a lot of good. In mid South, I, I, I did. I, I did. And, and, uh, you
3: know, so many people don't, didn't get to see Butch Reed and I. But oh, yeah. Butch Reed was a stud. I, got I mean, he was an absolute stud. I, there, it, I, there's no better working heel in the business to me than what Butch Reed was in the ring. I mean, he was, he was just a monster. I mean, he was great, big, Muscled up, but could go. Oh yeah, thirty minutes, forty five minutes. It didn't matter. He was he was the real deal. He was all American
0: linebacker at uh, NEO, and then he was a a big time linebacker. I think at Central Missouri State. So he was an athlete, folks. He could run. He had great agility. Oh, he had a great first oh,
3: step. So, yeah,
0: good dude. I like yeah, I like yeah. Butch. I like Butch.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I didn't get to work with Teddy that much just a few times with him but but uh you know that that was a a great time and then the feud with wrestling too was a you know great experience and and to be out there with you know a, a, a veteran who had never been a heel in his life you know working under a mask and and you know switching heel and every Every part of his DNA was working as a babyface. Yeah. So to work with him through that and being, you know, at the stage I was in my career and having Bill Dundee in my ear every night about, you know, like stirring the pot, trying to, to make it better. Cause he was just, you know, trying to, to spice it all up as much as he could. Uh, it, it was, it was good. It was really good stuff. So in the, in the mic time that, that Bill enabled us to have, I mean, yeah, you know, guys used to complain about interviews, but that was your bread and butter. Oh
4: man. God. I
3: mean, you know, that's where, that's where you, you come out of the kitchen to hear what's going on. You know, hey, you know, you got to hear this. I mean, that, that's what, I mean, Ernie Ladd, you know, one of the great interviews. I mean, so many guys that you just sit there and listen to and, and working with Jim Duggan a little bit. Jim and I, you know, tagged together when I first came in, uh, You know, great experience with there, great character, and a guy that's you know been a friend for a lifetime. Yeah, Um, you know, good dude. Yeah, Hercules Hernandez when he came in under the mask as as wrestling two's uh, you know mask partner and good man. I like him, Ray. Ray's a good guy. Yeah, oh, he he was he was
0: incredible. You mentioned Teddy being you know not getting a lot of time with Teddy. He was Ted DiBiase is one of the one of the top in my book, one of the top five wrestling heels of all time he could talk he could brawl he could wrestle he could bleed and he was the, my main thing he was reliable yes and he was you don't hear teddy dubiasi bailing this territory and walking down this guy to get and match over a payoff and, you know his movie's coming out this week price of fame have you uh, been able to follow that a little bit on social media because it is an amazing have you seen it at all
3: no, I haven't, but I have seen that it was being released, and I knew that that was, that was coming out kind of parallel with uh, with, with Rick's thirty thirty ESPN thing. So it's, it's kind of unique that they're both hitting at the same
0: time. Well, the money on that deal is for, for both of them is that Ted's uh, film on the, on a Tuesday night was at 7 o'clock, and, and the 30 for 30 is at 10 o'clock on the east. So Ted's basically a lead-in. Uh, in the theaters for, and, and (laughs) it'll be available on, in, in digitally and, and on DVDs. Yeah. I think Walmart's going to carry. It's a big deal. Teddy's a big deal for Ted. You know, uh, Terry, we've all been there, buddy. Our business is not great on marriages, or at least we use it as an excuse. One of the two, I don't know. But boy, it's, uh, that ties into the Ric Flair story. Rick had some wonderful wives, but he was never married.
3: <laughs> no, he married. To the, he was married. To, he was married to the business. Absolutely. I mean, the, the the business was was his mistress. I mean the, the and and I I think that that is part of the thing too, and is such a disconnect from. And I'm not saying this is in a bad or a good way, but we we were we were programmed and had it beat in our skulls that this characters that we portrayed you know we need we had to be that 24/7 that you know and and I mean I got it from Eddie Graham in Florida and from Dusty and and Bill and I mean if you were I mean if you were being portrayed as a heartthrob if you were being portrayed you know as somebody to to make the little girl squeal and the and the older girl squeal and all that stuff you know then you didn't want to be being portrayed as a as a family man yeah. that wasn't that wasn't the deal that isn't how they were selling tickets. They wanted to create this fantasy world for all these people to, to buy into. And, you know, Rick obviously took it to the most extreme of, of anybody in our industry that, that uh, you know, he not only rode the horse on the ground, but he buried three or four of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, he, he had that overwhelming desire to be the very best in the game, and he was. And he didn't want to lose that place. It was so important to him. I so much respect that, quite frankly. But. Uh, I'm glad that he has uh, survived his last health scare. Boy, I was really worried that we're going to lose him there. And I'm, oh, me too. I'm excited, Terry, that he's stepped away from the drinking. I don't, well, I don't I, think his body could handle uh, him to go on any drinking benches. No, he didn't
3: have a, he didn't have a choice. If he, if he'd stayed in that, in that realm, uh, he'd be gone. I mean, he, what I was, what I was told was he had a twenty percent chance uh, to live when he first went in Mm -hmm. and, and had he, had he not had the, had they not put him in a medically induced coma just to try to get his body, you know, out of the total shock and shutdown mode that it was in, you know, they would have lost him. So he's, uh, you know, he's blessed to have a, a second chance and, and, you know, hopefully, I mean, if he can stay clean and sober, you know, he can, he can, you know, live a, uh, you know, out, out of a full life. absolutely And, uh, you know, because, cause, you know, all this has gone in the blink of an eye anyway. And, uh, you, you can't think you got to be the cock of the walk and, you know, the, the, the baddest of the bad and out party everybody and all that stuff for a lifetime. That's just, that's
0: insanity. Agreed. Agreed. Did you ever have a, when you were wrestling, Terry, did you ever have a meeting with Vince about going to WWE? Did we talk about that before?
3: Yeah, we, I believe you had asked me and know that never, that conversation, never took place um uh i never met i never met vince in person until i worked that um that pay-per-view show for him like 10 years ago or so and and we we spoke for a few minutes and it, it was he was he made me feel very good and he's and he said he did say to me we could have made a lot of money together oh
0: yeah man are you kidding me
3: Wow. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we could have. And, and, and the ironicism of all of it is, JR, that that's where Andre wanted me to go. When Andre named me Magnum TA, before he could get in with Vince Sr., who was still living, and get the, get the plate laid out yes. for me to go, Ernie, Ernie swept me up. <laughs> it, pulled, it pulled me into the midst
0: But you know why, don't you? Cause I don't have a man to make love to a woman. That's <laughs> hey, uh, well, you'd have made a lot of money there, uh, without doubt. And it would have been, it'd been uh, big for your brand. The, the, do you believe that, I have a theory on this, but I want to hear yours. It seems like these kids, and look, you, you, you know, Tessa's in that boat. Our boyfriend, Ricochet's in that boat. They work for a lot of promoters. They look at getting paydays from multiple sources for what they do for a living. So I am in the belief that not just your those two kids specifically, but in general, the folks that are on that kind of a route are making pretty good money.
3: Ricochet is doing well. I will tell you, he's doing well. He's probably on the top of the indie scene uh, on the pay scale of what he's able to yield. And and Tessa, for the length of time she's been in the industry, uh, you know, makes a living and and doesn't have to go out 7 days a week mm-hmm. uh you know like we were having to do you know back in the day but it's just such a different era this social media and social networking and being able to self promote yourself the way these kids do using the you know using these tool, these tools that they have available to them is 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 genius and if you you know you don't believe it's mainstream i mean that's one of the reasons The Rock is like one of the most popular actors in the industry because of his ongoing push of all the pro- all the projects that he's involved in. He is so networking it throughout the whole world through his big social media network that he is like he he gives everything he he works on the Golden Touch before the 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 Dagon Studios even get to advertise it.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a he's a. Uh... He is an amazing asset for his business. I think Dwayne should be the president. I mean, and I think whoever's going to be the next president is going to be a popular president because he'll be the guy that followed Trump. Right. But Dwayne, someday, he's mentioned this. I don't think it's bullshit. I don't think he's just, he doesn't need to say ridiculous things, Terry, to get publicity. Mm -hmm. He can get publicity walking across the street. So uh, I, I he's a he's a hell of a guy. This is funny. We got some questions from Facebook, and this one kid, uh, gentleman, Mike Butler. He said, "How prevalent were Peds during your time?" <laughs> Mike, you need to look at some pictures from some of those boys back in the '80s. There was ah. that was a very vascular, large gentleman. Oh my goodness! Oh so, yeah. There, uh, mm. Mike. I'll answer for him. I'm not going to incriminate Terry. They were available, and they were yeah. prevalent. And
3: well, yeah, but but let me say this about that. You know, there was two schools of thoughts on the performance enhancing deal. There was guys, in, and this is the category I was in, that, that would use something twice a year, say for six weeks, twice a year, to keep from completely just tearing my body down to nothing because I was working seven days a week, you know, year-round. Yep. And found a happy medium of a, a physique and a body that I could maintain throughout that off period, you know, year-round. And I had to look, if you saw me wrestling any time 12 months out of the year, it wasn't like one time I was a 280-pound uh, monster, and then, you know, the next time you saw me, I was 240, and I lost 30 pounds of muscle. I was going down that path, headstrong down that path, when I was in San Antonio, and Ray Hercules Hernandez was there. He was a young, up and coming guy. And he had a bag, grocery bag full of performance enhancing drugs that, uh, that were very easy to, to accessible. Yeah, he shared. And he shared. That's and all. He, he shared. shared. Yeah. And, and he came, when he came in, he weighed about 218. I remember he looked like a noodle. And Ray went up to about 280, and I was up to 270. And we were both, in our minds, we were going to go to 300. We were going to be big as the Road Warriors. Yeah. That was our, our our thing. Looked like the Michelin and, Man. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. It was Corpus Christi. I walk in the dressing room, and there is Bruiser Brody putting his boots on. And of course, he was the big old guy. And and he said, "Kid," he said, "You're looking great." He said, "Man, if you just look," he was just making building the ego up, and telling me how great I was looking. He said, "But I want to tell you a little secret." He said, "If you ever become a star." Based solely upon what you look like. And you have to do this to maintain that look. You've written your own epitaph.
0: Yeah. Wise man.
3: Wise and, man. And, and the light switch went off in my head right that minute. I decided I am going to perfect my craft. I'm going to find some happy medium and something that I can support, you know, year round. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be Tony Atlas. You know, I'm not going to be Ivan Putsky. I'm going to be the best I can be. And, and I found that, I found that place and, and I could maintain that 240 pound or so body weight, yeah. uh, you know, year, you know, and, and, and I was, and, and the thing was, I trained real heavy with weights. I wasn't like the bodybuilders and stuff. I mean, I was, Always moving heavy weight, and so my body and my joints and everything was accustomed to handling that, mm. and it made me durable. That durable factor you were talking about, yeah. And uh, you know that's why I could go in the ring with Doc when he was 320, and even when he was clumsy and smashing and crashing around, <laughs> he didn't break me up, <laughs> you because know, I was pretty sturdy. Yeah. And well, uh, and
0: what a character he was, man. I I would have loved for him to be with me last Saturday on the Oklahoma sideline. Uh, Bedlam, oh Doc would have loved that uh, that, oh. that crazy uh, win that Sooners got over their arch rivals, in-state rivals. Have you followed the ongoing Twitter social media interaction between Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega? And now the fact what is that all about? That, I've, oh, I've, was all no, about they shot their own angle, and the show is January fourth. It's the it's the Wrestle Kingdom event, the biggest show. It's their WrestleMania. Okay, New Japan. Okay, Tokyo Dome. Omega and Jericho are both from uh, Winnipeg. And so they start a little, little spat on, on Twitter and, you know, piss on you, don't piss on you back. So it's very entertaining. But I right. thought, well, well suddenly so, people said, Hey, do you think it's real? I, said, I don't know. Just, just stay tuned. Everybody wants everybody. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can play long. Nobody can right. just, just stay hooked for a couple of days and see where it goes. Yeah. So last week on my podcast, I said, Look, I, I enjoy this dialogue. I enjoy listening to these dudes. Are reading about these dudes, and they're going the extra mile to promote their deal, and all of a sudden, I said, here's the deal. they got to monetize it somewhere, folks. Think about it. This is what they do for a living. They have to monetize it somewhere. Where are they going to monetize it? Where's the biggest audience that they both can wrestle? Well, that would be Wrestle Kingdom, January 4th. So if I am a booker, I'm going to book that match at <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom. Jericho's a free agent. He's not under contract to anybody. He can do what the hell he wants. Yeah, good for him. He's, <laughs> he's he's north of forty. He should be able to do what he wants, right? Sure, absolutely. So uh, uh, anyway, they, those two guys be pretty cagey. They have marketed a good event, and they'll create a payday for themselves. And that's kind of uh, the reason I'm talking about this is because that's kind of how Watts. Watts had a Booker, but the Booker was usually the guy that was on the road a lot, like Ernie. So Ernie, right. Ernie got ideas from everybody. Ernie mm-hmm. got feedback and. Saw what guys could do, what they couldn't do. All the smart bookers had a guy on the road that was their eyes and ears, come back with ideas and evaluations. Tell me what we got. I think that Jericho and Kenny Omega just done what I've mean, two guys in a territory would do. They created a reason for the booker or the promoter to book them. And yeah. Simple as that, right? I mean, there, am I looking at this wrong, Terry? No, they shot an ankle. And they didn't have to have any any
3: platform to do it because the social media is the biggest platform in the universe, and they were, it was, it's genius. I mean, it's smart. They're, that's what I'm saying. Today, you know, I look at what Cody's doing. I mean, I, I just you know, I, I'm i have sit back and I'll just say, you know, they they're having fun. Yeah, they are. they're having fun like we used to have fun. It used to be fun to to be on the road, be in the business, be around the boys, the the camaraderie, the The whole deal was, it was fun. And, and, and like you said, driving down the road, you know, with a, you know, six pack between your knees eating a bologna sandwich, coming up with these off the wall, crazy things that, you know, if half of them stuck, then, you know, one thing might be good, but you know, the the next day that was becoming a reality and it was going to be on TV.
0: (laughs) uh, I can tell you that my road trips in those days, I don't even think, uh, we had beer when Tretch Phillips is in my back seat pitting it out. The bastard, uh, God bless <laughs> Uh I'm being a wise ass, but he did pit it out. He had no respect for my car, and he wouldn't pay. Tra- <laughs> he wouldn't pay trance, Just throwing it out there. So I rode with Hodge. Hodge and Akbar rode with me, and so the, what we what we had. I had to pr- provide them, but they were good because their spring for mine was milkshakes. You know, milkshakes. Yes, I'm not bullshitting. You. I'm telling you, no, we weren't smoking dope. But they wanted milkshakes. Hodge, if Hodge reached over from the passenger side and with his left hand Ooh. and grabbed your wrist and started squeezing, where yeah. you started seeing spots and you started getting nauseous and you may have pissed a little bit on yourself, you say, <laughs> hey, hey, Tiger, you want a milkshake? Danny wants a milkshake. <laughs> Danny wants a milkshake. Danny, let go of my goddamn hand. You're killing me.
3: <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, I broke in with Don Owens, and, and when I'd go to Sandy Barstowns, that that's what we we do. We'd help set up the ring. I'd work the opening match, usually a babyface match with somebody. Go 10, 15 minute Broadway. that I'd put a referee shirt on. And I'd go out there and referee another half a dozen matches after I worked, and and that's what you did every night. And you made you like you said, you made you know 25, 30 bucks. But uh, they used it, Owens brother, Don's brother used to like uh amateur wrestling so we got he always wanted to see a shoot so he get talked something up with the with the with guys like myself and matt born and buzz sawyer different ones and we he wants to go out there and shoot for five minutes and whoever got to take whoever got a takedown would get an extra i don't know how many bucks and of course he wasn't smart enough to know that we would just work the shoot and split the money so yeah.
0: <laughs> good for you but we, but we always made it look good. Yeah, yeah. yeah! I bet you did. I bet you did. Yeah. Hey, both those guys you just mentioned pretty damn badass workers. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Buzz, when Buzz was sane, which is occasionally, but when he was sane, that son of a bitch could go, boy. Ooh boy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Him and Matt were uh, tag team partners uh, and, and they were hands down as good a baby face tag team and rugged. As you'd ever want to see. Oh ever. yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, and, can you imagine how good Terry they'd have been long term if they hadn't uh, had a, a demon stop along the way?
3: Oh um, yeah, and no, I mean it's, it's heartbreaking because yeah, uh, honestly, uh, you know, and, and Buzz had a tremendous mind for the business. I mean he had. The angles and the thought. I mean, he worked with Ole for years and, you know, under his wing and, you know, just, you know, unbelievable performer and, and never realized what he could have in the business yeah. uh, because of the things you just mentioned. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a shame. There's a lot of guys that, uh, were great contributors and could have been huge, huge stars and, uh, and left, you know, a real legend uh, behind them. But, just the life was it was too big, it was yeah. too much too much and uh and and and, and somewhere in there it's hard to to discern you know the difference in the show and in in true life and uh you know and i and I really appreciate that today, being a family man and and having all having these kids and and you know home to come home to and and you know working you know eight eight to five every day and not having to think about. Just that craziness of a lifestyle. Yeah, getting, I can't imagine
0: getting, getting swerved.
3: You're yeah, getting I got. I, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Well, first of all, I've got a little onrigger in my old age, and I probably wouldn't handle it too well today. Uh, and and I and I'm kind of you know kind of dilapidated, so I'm probably more dangerous than I've ever been. <laughs> simply because you know I got I got to have equalizers. Yeah, I hear you. So, <laughs> so but you know, it, it, it's a great life lesson. And I wouldn't trade any of those lessons. Uh, the, just the hours of listening to Eddie and Dusty and and Bill and you know guys on and on and on in the business that uh, just the pearls of uh, psychology and wisdom coming out of their heads was mind boggling. You, you could you can put as many writers as you want to in a room, and and and, I, and my hats off to them for the amount. Of things they produce every week. I mean, that's mind boggling. So I don't want to put that down at all, but to look at the psychology, it was used to make a whole lot more with a whole lot less. Yeah, go down. Yeah. 30, 40 years ago was, oh, was something.
0: It's all based on human emotion, based on human common sense logic. Hey, uh, I want to thank you for jumping on real magnum TA on Twitter, real magnum TA. On Twitter, as I see it, uh, and you can yeah. you can follow Terry. Good follow, and he he actually interacts much like I do when I can. If you ask a smart question, you might get a, a get an answer. Yes, you might,
3: and, and and I have a way of just finding those when I just do periodically look. I see something that actually makes sense. Yeah, and and it's funny when you chime in when people don't think you're paying attention. It kind of blows them all away. So that, that's fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. I appreciate you being on and you're always, your candid. You're always honest. You know, you had a tough hand dealt to you, but by golly, you have never wavered. You never turned your jersey in, so to speak, and got out of the game of life. And that's what we all got to be in. We all have had some bad hands here, there, and yon in our lifetimes, but uh, I don't know. You've had, yours was about as challenging as anybody I can, I knew personally. And so I've just, I'm proud to be your friend. And I'm really proud of the, the man that you are. So, and all those kids, you got like a hundred of them. I know that. Uh, no, yeah, like hundred.
3: <laughs> well, with all those accolades, I got to tell you this right now too. Cause I told my wife this before I got on this with you. Out of all the people that I've known in this business, and that's a few and from Rick Flair to all of them, I've told my wife tonight that I don't know anybody, anybody that's more passionate about this profession that we all love so much as you. And I watched you come from the man behind the, the the little desk there in Mid-South to this formidable figure that you became in, in broadcasting. And what you've contributed is second to none. And, and that passion is something that makes you more special than you know to me.
0: Appreciate that, buddy. Hey, listen, I hope you have a uh, wonderful holiday season. If I don't talk to you or see you between now and then, enjoy uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, maybe maybe we'll get you through an entire Hall of Fame uh, ceremony in Iowa without getting your belly hurting.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, see, I've talked to you all this time, and I haven't had reflex one time. Uh, I, so there's something out there in the in the Midwest. Oh, and I was going to say, you know, I will be at WrestleCade in, uh, right after Thanksgiving there in Winston-Salem with a cast of thousands i think every everybody's everybody in the uzu of wrestling is going to be there it's a big
0: uh, yeah big it's big i hey i I don't know who runs that i took my hats off to them it's a great lineup folks you want to see a lot of talent and stars you thought may never ever be convened under one roof that's your place to go uh great uh post thanksgiving weekend and uh i am Terry's there. I think Cornet's gonna be there, at the Midnight Express. I mean it's, it's, Terry
3: Funk and I will be at the same table.
0: Wow, that's cool. There you go. Yes. Damn new magnum. I'm Terry <laughs> Funk, you son of a bitch. And you're yeah, it'll, it'll you're be good. A, you're a student of that ex sucking dog, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> uh t- Terry's timeless, he's ageless. Hey, look, have fun, at Russell Cade and every other in between and beyond and Always enjoy visiting with you, buddy. Thank you, my friend. The Ross Report. The Ross Report. My well, thanks again to Jason Powell of ProWrestling.net for joining me here tonight. Uh, Appreciate him talking about uh, the Bound for Glory pay-per-view. Jason was not high on the, the presentation. I thought it was a little bit better than he did, but I could understand some of his points. In any event, we both care about that brand. We want it to succeed. So you heard our thoughts tonight on the pay-per-view. And I also really appreciate the great Magnum T.A. for joining us. Remember to see him at Wrestlecade the weekend after Thanksgiving there in North Carolina. North Lacky. And uh, refreshing to talk to him. Folks, think of his life his career. Think of what he's gone through. Think of what snapped away from him when it's so young in his prime. He would have been a multiple-time NWA champion. I suffice to say, he would have also been a multiple-time WWE champion he's the kind of guy that Vince would love to work with. He's reliable, durable, great look, athletic, can talk. But that reliability character and his uh, professionalism was always going to take him a long way. Good guy. So great to have him on the, on the show. Remember, I mentioned the ringside show. We have one ringside show this year left. It's in Boston. It's on Saturday afternoon, December 16th at Laugh Boston. Uh, the uh, VIP uh, meet and greet pre-show is at 1.00. And the show starts at three o'clock. LaughBoston.com has your tickets. Big WWE weekend there as well, and I'd love to see it. LaughBoston, join JB Jeremy Borash and myself for a a fun holiday show of Q and A Q&A and storytelling and all kinds of fun stuff. And I hope to have some books there that I can sell you and sign. Or if you have a book, bring it to bring it to the show. I'll sign it there. And as you heard earlier, Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling is doing phenomenally well. My wife, Jan, would be so happy. God bless her. And I'm so happy. So thank you, guys. who have bought the book. And for those of you that are going to buy the book, when well, you can find it, that won't be long, I promise. Uh, but it's doing great. And uh, it's it's exceeded all of our expectations and continues to uh, build a life of its own. There's a lot of interest in our book uh, in the West Coast and other places. So we're very, very blessed. Somebody told me, he said, "JR, you know you're going to have great success with that book. Cause you got an angel in heaven looking out over you. And I think they're, they're exactly right. Certainly appreciate you guys being here this week. You do good with me. You support the sponsors, you download, you share share. Hey, y'all listen to JR's podcast or you share it with people. I appreciate that. Don't forget now to, to subscribe for free at Apple podcasts. Leave us a five star rating, a comment or two. It's a free subscription. And by doing so, it will our show will be automatically downloaded into the device that you choose every Tuesday night at 9 p.m Eastern time six o'clock in California my state I was born in believe it or not do you know I was born in fort Bragg California Northern California my daddy worked in the uh, lumber mills the logging business that's right port bragg fort bragg hospital I went to school the I think it was the third grade, what grade was it? Third or fourth grade in Santa Rosa. Got to get back out there one of these days. I keep saying that. I think I have cousins. They might be in Folsom Prison. Hell, I don't know where they are. Anyway, appreciate you in this podcast, one thing. And remember that they they got a a really a neat app. It's available at the App Store on Google Play. It's kind of a a one-of-a-kind thing and really exclusive to, to podcasting and enjoyment of podcasts and so forth. So check that out. It's free. And remember, you can find links to all my sponsors at podcastone.com, podcastone.com. And just click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. And then click on the Ross Report banner. Don't just click that some bitch. Drop the bonnet elbow on it, baby. Don't sell nothing. <laughs> Next week, Big Show. Dave Batista. Been trying to hook up a Big Dave for a long time. We had a lot to talk about one of my recruits back in the day, man, what a, what a career he's had since leaving WWE, my God, he's been in some massive movies. So big Dave will share his uh, thoughts on today's business, his career and uh, what's ahead for him next week here on the show. So be sure and check it out. That's why I say, if you subscribe to our show on Apple podcasts, you'll never miss an episode. You'll get it right when it drops. Baby. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for being with us. Uh, always, uh, you know, fulfill and maximize life's minutes. My God. Every, this news, these things are happening in the news. These calamities, these catastrophes, these deaths, it's, it's pathetic. I don't know, man. I I, hey, I ain't going to say I'm going to leave the country. I'm not going to, anything stupid. I, You know, Donald Trump gets elected, I'm leaving. Well, who did that? I don't know if anybody's done that yet that said so they were. And it was silly to say in the first place. It was a sensational knee-jerk statement. But when are we going to start taking care of each other? That's what I'm wondering. Has anybody got the answer to that? If you do, let me know, will you? When are we going to start taking care of each other? I'd like to know. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross. And we've got a hell of a show for you next week. Thank you very much for being with us this week.
2: And so long, everybody! Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcast1.com. That's PodcastOne.com. Trump and the Memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. So Trump's to the memo, Mr. President. On the memo, sir. On the memo, sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP authored memo despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The most uh, critical was a 15 year old male that received- uh, A gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing in critical but stable condition. A female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together.